You're listening to Vibrant Visionaries, and I'm your host, Heidi Bennett. Welcome, friends old and new. On season three of the podcast, we've expanded out onto YouTube. You can find Vibrant Visionaries at VibrantVisionaries.com and also on the Vibrant Visionaries Network on YouTube. On Vibrant Visionaries, I often interview fun, funny, compassionate creatives, filmmakers, artists, cartoonists, comedians, musicians, all sorts of multi-creative individuals. I also like to pop on on my own and share some mindfulness tips as well to help boost your creativity and banish burnout. You can find out more about me and what I do when I'm off the mic at HeidiBennett.com. And now on with the show. Hey everybody, this is Heidi from Vibrant Visionaries, and I got to see a film actually, I think last year for part of Citages, and didn't get an opportunity to talk with these guys. And when the film came up for the Chattanooga Virtual Film Festival, again, my husband got and I got excited. So this is what's cool is when you're doing virtual fests, you know, your husband gets to watch everything too. Because we saw that the old ways was playing, so we get to see the old ways again. And I got to talk with the creator, so that's who we've got today. Chris Allender and Marcus Gabriel. Gab- Marcus, do you go by Marcos? Marcus, how? tell me what it's all about. One of the great mysteries of life. I'll say both. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> and Chris, you go by Chris? Chris no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes by Sven. <laughs> Sven. <laughs> So yeah, welcome guys. Uh, I'm super stoked because my husband and I were kind of, Brian, he and I were kind of talking about what is it about this movie that is currently 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes that we loved. And there's just a ton, like it's scary, it's funny, it's really beautiful to look at. There's all sorts of interesting effects, but it's also, it has a nice, real nice pace to it. There's not a slow burn, but like a nice revealing of things as time goes by with it. So I have like a million questions. Let me just start with maybe just how this project came about and how the two of you started working together on it. I mean, Marcus can probably take it, but um, we've known each other since the mid 90s. We, We met in college and have been making short films and movies and all kinds of, you know, commercials um, ever since. So we've always, we're always trying to find something to make. I'll let Marcus take it from there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've we've got such a long history that, you know, sometimes we think of projects and we go like, Oh, this would be a fun movie to do. And and this other thing might be neat. And for this one in particular, I thought, wow, this would, I think this would be a really cool story that Chris would like to dive into. Also, he loves the world build. He loves to do research and kind of take an archeological approach. And for me, this story really started by just going back to some white Latin American roots. I was born in Puerto Rico. My mother told me some really fascinating, interesting stories about brujas and, and kind of like cleansings that happen on the island. And I was very, very Catholic and she's very Catholic, but these were very personal stories that really opened my eyes. And for years I thought, wow, someone needs to tell a story like this and really dive into this culture. And after a while, I thought, okay, well, it might as well be me, I guess. <laughs> so I um, wanted to approach kind of a, an exorcism story from this different cultural touch point. And so I quickly kind of wrote the first 10, 15 pages of it and showed it to Chris and said, like, hey, man, do you think there's something here that you'd want to do 
because I really like the story. And he uh, very excitedly was like, yeah, I think this is kind of cool. And he started thinking of ideas and I kept writing the script and the script was always kind of a living document because like I said, Chris loves to do some of that research. So he would find, you know, a death whistle or an interesting area uh, of Veracruz or something. And, and those things would just work their way into the script and we go, okay, yeah, this enhances this and kind of creates a little more authenticity. And yeah, I mean, we just wanted it to be, you know, scary, obviously, but wanted it to be a story worth telling, wanted to make sure it had some real cultural and dramatic reason to exist. And that's kind of where it started. Without giving any spoilers, as we meet our protagonist and then her, you know, her cousin and then the, and the folks that have brought her in, <laughs> locked her down and are going to, you know, perform this exorcist. It still feels like I made a joke in the Discord for Chattanooga that this was like a got milk commercial. Like there's still this just like homey sense of humor about it. I was wondering if you talk about the writing, about the humor. I love horror movies. I love this genre. So there's a lot of times in the fun or the absurdity of it that I do find humor <laughs> in it. The, and I knew that, you know, I didn't want to make, I didn't want this movie to be kind of let's say torture porn, like a hostel or something like that, which a movie like this that deals with kind of arduous and torturous things could certainly become. So I knew that I wanted that little bit of levity and it required having a character that was tough enough that could kind of <laughs> exist through this absurdity and still have a point of view and perspective. I'd say probably the script originally had a little more humor in it. However, our lead actress Bridget who is so incredible she's so grounded and real and it was very clear once she started taking ownership of the scenes that some adjustments had to be made because if it didn't feel right in the moment she didn't feel right saying it or doing it and she was absolutely correct so moments of that still shine through and it's still there and I think the best version of the story is on screen but yeah I mean and it also comes from the fact that like I don't know, Chris and I kind of have a sense of humor <laughs> anyway on this stuff. So it's all, it's all, even the most horrifying things, that's the stuff that makes me giggle when we've seen it in a live screening. Like mm -hmm. I love when I feel the audience being like, oh God, no. And I'm like, Hee -hee -hee, this is great. Can't wait. Because <laughs> there's other type of humor that is pretty popular these days in horror, which is the self-aware humor where like the movie knows it's a horror movie. So we didn't, we didn't really want to do that, but. There's always those great films that we always love where it's like after you have something pretty intense, you get that kind of joke to release the pressure. Um, so we tried to work that in as much as we could. And Marcus, his scripts are always actually really funny, like even just the scene description. So there's a lot of times where I would find something that, that I love just in there. And I was like, how do we get that into the movie so that not just the people who read the script um, will get this, get this joke? There's a big spoiler one though that big line at the end that she says was scene description forever and i was like this is my favorite part of the of the script you gotta we gotta put that in her mouth somehow so. yeah yeah <laughs> like we're making the movie that we want to, to tell obviously but the whole time we're like "Ooh, the audience is really gonna take this part or this line or this thing and we're trying to keep that in mind the entire time you know and, and that's because that's the fun of making a movie and sharing your art yeah, I'm glad you said you thought the pace was good because the first cut of the movie was like two and a half hours long. <laughs> so we we trimmed an hour out of it. And in fact, we're working on the, the Blu-ray um, special features right now. And there's 
almost a half an hour of pretty good deleted scenes and extended scenes in there. One thing I noticed too is that a lot of times with films where you're sort of familiar with the tropes and the steps and such, you know, you're going, oh, I bet there's going to be a jump scare here. or Oh, I bet, you know, this is going to happen because this happened earlier. It didn't, even though it was a clear, concise revealing of details, I never heard my husband say like, oh, I bet this is going to happen next. Like it, it felt... Um, nice and fresh. The effects were super interesting too. Um, what was the approach for the effects? Because even something as seemingly simple like candles going out and what you can do with that, and then some of the other stuff that, yeah, I don't want to spoil, but it just was a, a beautiful balance of like, oh, wait, didn't, did something just move over there? <laughs> but it didn't distract you. Like I think some movies you're like, that's all you're doing is just looking for the ghost in the corner or something. This one was, you wanted to, you wanted to be with the story, but you also got to kind of look for those little hiding spirits. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. You mentioned the candles, the, uh, I think it's in the trailer. <laughs> I was check it out, but there's that scene where they all blow out on the one by one on the wall, which was something we could easily do in CG. Like of all the stuff we did in the movie, that, that would have been easy, but it was just, um, just felt better to do it for real so we had people on ladders and with like air cans and leaf blowers and did it all as one choreographed thing that you know probably took eight takes or something but when we finally got it everybody it's really good for crew morale <laughs> everybody cheers and it's a real like orchestrated thing that, that comes together um but yeah we we really wanted to do as much for real as we could and we know uh, both of us actually have done quite a bit of vfx type work in the past so we know where we can plus it up in post or where we can do it, you know, completely in post. But whenever possible, we just tried to get it on camera for the actors and for the camera and for the lighting and just for the whole mood. Yeah, across the board, we, we did mostly practical stuff or sometimes supplemented. Obviously, like Magic Wind and stuff like that is all, is all computer. But, um, you know, the snakes and the rats and the everything is, is as real as we could get. Um, even the whole stomach, there's a whole um, psychic surgery scene where we have a completely prosthetic stomach and our actress is like kind of angled at a 45 degree angle under it. So we're really digging in there and pulling stuff out and there's somebody underneath the table with slime and snakes and stuff and super fun um, and visceral. And, and it lets you be real um, organic with the camera, which you have to be a lot more, usually a lot more precious with the camera work if you're going to be adding 3d computer generated stuff on top of it so this really let us keep it alive and keep it kind of a little more naturalistic when we wanted to and then you know at our budget level and we knew when we were like developing the script if there was going to be something that was going to be visual like really hard visual effects not practically shot that it was something just like a few inches above our knowledge level you know like we didn't want to just do things that we knew we could do but it was always like okay i think we could figure out how to do this if we needed to with, with some computer help so chris really dug down deep for some of those like heavier visual effects and smoke simulations and fire simulations and then some uh, cg enhancing um or now certain elements so that was kind of you know the reason why i think this movie looks a lot more expensive than it is is because we just kind of like operated just beyond our comfort level for that stuff, always knowing like, you know, you can write anything down, <laughs> but then it all falls apart when you're like, oh God, how are we going to do it? So I think that was kind of the, 
the approach we took and like Chris said, as practical as possible. Cause I think practical stuff, like honestly stands the test of time. Like even when it looks a little, you watch a movie from the seventies or someone getting their head chopped off. It looks a little chintzy, but it's still like, Oh, that was effective. And oh yeah, totally. Like the late nineties with a full CG creature. And you're like, I can't watch this movie. <laughs> right, it, right. It, it at least looks as good as all the other footage around it versus, yes. you know, you cut to some, yeah, early, cg scene and it's just like now it's a video game in the middle of a movie that otherwise looked amazing and and, and holds up so i think that all really tied it all weaved it all together hopefully yeah it's hard to say we've only seen it with the audience like twice <laughs> so <laughs> oh, as many times as anybody so <laughs> you're in a rare club thanks to the pandemic <laughs> yeah What's the um, experience having it at uh, Chattanooga been? Because it's to me, this is my first time doing Chattanooga, and it seems like everybody's just such a fan. And I've already seen people writing awesome reviews, and, and it seems really positive from my POV. Yeah, um, Chattanooga and Panic Fest both did really, and completely differently, but they both had a really effective virtual version of a festival that I think I just a lot of engagement, you know, with the people at Chattanooga, they had it all on the discord server, which I was new to, you know, it was almost like live tweeting, you were, we were watching it live, and people were asking questions and saying stuff and posting git Marcus was on full emoji blast the whole time. Um, it was, yeah, surprisingly uh, interactive and enjoyable. Yeah, and a lot of people have learned by now how to use the discord or how to use like those they this just did um for those listening and watching just private links to to youtube for their live panels and such and then just seamless links on their website for oh the movie you know some movies were premiering during a certain slot but a lot of the films you could just watch anytime and for me it's just been wonderful like wake up in the morning hmm what am i gonna watch today with my morning cup of coffee yeah the one downside is we did have to limit ours to a to a window because of our <clears throat> distribution agreements um because the movie is coming out pretty soon i have breaking news everybody this is heidi from the future okay actually it's heidi from today <laughs> i have breaking news that as of today august 5th 2021 you can watch The Old Ways on Netflix. So if you have a Netflix subscription, check out The Old Ways now. And when you see that chicken, know that that chicken is named Manly. No, wait, Studley. <laughs> so say hi to Studley for me. All right, back to the show. And then we're going to do a, a really big Blu-ray release with, like I said, tons of bonus features. We've got like two hours, over two hours of stuff plus commentary and a whole documentary behind it. And it should be pretty interesting, I think, to people who are independent filmmakers because we, I mean, this is a sub-million dollar movie with just a bunch of really great people who came together and, and put something together. We're hoping people find it and, and like it. And, you know, we've got lots more ideas if we wanted in this world that we could do if if it found an audience and, and there was a demand for it. The lead actress, Bridget Kelly Canales, is awesome hopefully she's going to be a huge star soon she she just had a huge role on the fear of the walking dead i think her storyline just kind of wrapped up a week ago and she's also in the star wars animation uh, on disney plus so she's kind of everywhere these days hopefully people will start to take notice yeah for sure she was amazing and and i'm i'm 
very much behind on Fear of the Walking Dead, so I look forward to getting caught up and checking her out on that. And the artwork for the, the poster... Mm-hmm. Is that like going to be available at all? As far as like, could you buy a poster of it or some? You know, we need to we need to figure that out. Um, yeah, I haven't we need found a poster a, ourselves. Yeah, because yeah, we hoped that there would be real ones because we were going to we made it for Sitges. We do have T-shirts on our website and mugs. Um, oh, rad! Okay, cool. Already available. That's <laughs> the old ways. The old ways they look pretty cool. I've got one in my closet right now. <laughs> but yeah, we people keep asking that, and I'd love to do I'd love to do some sort of limited release or something like maybe not the traditional like one sheet of it because it does have that kind of handmade old comic book um, silkscreen kind of look mm-hmm. or um, process printing uh, with the half tone. We've thought about maybe doing like a limited run of um, like actually silkscreening it on like old old canvas or something so that it has a little more texture to appeal. it and yeah. yeah the artist felipe flores is uh is awesome if you check him out on instagram he's a really talented guy who does a bunch of cool fine art that's in that old 70s 80s comic book style that we grew up you know reading the ec comics and the uh, tales from the crypt and all those types of things so it's got that kind of flavor which we thought would just be for fun for sidious because it's kind of a horror festival but everybody liked it so much that we kept we always thought there'd be like a one that looked like the conjuring or something you know like more <laughs> traditional poster but uh i think this is this one's stuck so yeah i think when i said sigis earlier i added like a whole extra couple of vowels to it because i think i never say it out loud <laughs> but yeah the poster is really st- so striking and so gorgeous that even when i've shared it online with people who have on my instagram and on twitter People are just drawn, uh, cartoonists that follow the pot and listen to the podcast. When I think about, like you were talking about the conjuring or whatever, that's a thing that is so thrown by the wayside a lot of time with modern marketing is just like sort of these, oh, three, you know, heads of people or, you know, just (laughs) sort of these very standard three people standing in front of a something or with the (laughs) the 80s and the 90s, it was the sunglasses, right? Everybody had their cool shades on. But uh, yeah, to make something like this, it can really, I think, yeah, even reach people who weren't necessarily even had the film on their radar, but they're just drawn to go, what is this artwork representing? So yeah. It's, well, we try, it's cool. you know, always, because that's the advantage of being an indie film also, like we don't have to play to exact expectations. So any times, I mean, it's in the, it's in the movie where we tried to like zig instead of zag every place and we had to trust our instincts on those things a lot of times where you know as you've seen the movie and people who will see the movie we start in a fairly unconventional first act where uh, we're just kind of thrown into it and we had a lot of people who kind of read that and said i don't know if that's going to work guys and we had to kind of trust that it would and then we do some pretty crazy things around the midpoint and same sort of stuff so for our poster yeah it's like all right let's just do something that we instinctually think is cool and we like and we're inspired by and we ended up with this amazing piece of art by uh, Felipe Flores it was just so and he's a Mexican born um, or he's a Mexican artist and he uh, really took to the film and was super excited about contributing so we yeah we got really 
incredibly lucky. Yeah, it's super cool. And speaking of comic books, like I, I really got into comics actually more in the nineties, uh, the alt comic scene. So love and rockets is a big touchstone mm-hmm. for me. And even that I kind of thought of a little bit while watching this film. Yeah. I guess the, the final thing that I was thinking of was anything that you have to add about the, actors it just seemed like there was really great chemistry between all of them um just i don't know what what it was like working for them with them or how you found folks or or anything you want to share about that yeah casting was was everything on this movie all the actors were so professional like there was never any friction or anything like that on set all of them kind of had known in one way or another had known each other because the community is not huge out here i mean it's it's a big town but a lot of them are getting called in for the same projects and stuff like that, especially with typecasting and stuff like that. It's just kind of was like a big family, I guess. And they all, they all got along really well and were very supportive of each other when it was their turn to be on camera, you know, so there was never any, never any friction there. So it kind of really turned into a good on-screen chemistry in the script, like the relationship between Miranda and Christina is, it's totally there and it's important, but it popped so much more than I ever would have thought in the final in the footage and we were really happy with that because there's also this kind of addiction subplot too and both of them felt very the addiction one i think in the script felt even more prevalent and the cousin kind of rekindling their relationship storyline was was working so well that we just started stripping everything else down and focusing on that as much as we could and in the edit and it was um pretty rewarding to see people on online and stuff talking about that specifically and Cause you never know, like that could be, it could be cheesy. Great instincts and great casting, really wonderful choices. And yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today about it and just share some of the process and I'll share all, all the links and everything to everybody uh, listening and watching so that we can all, you know, get the Blu-ray when it comes out and check out everything else that y'all have going on. Is there anywhere else you want to point people besides this project? I think I'm at Chris Allender at every, you know, on all the sites. Luckily, my last name is pretty uncommon, so I'm able to get the good handles. And uh, the Old Ways, is it just Old Ways Movie or the Old Ways Movie? The Old Ways Movie. The Old Ways Movie. So that'll that'll be spitting out all the info when, when we're allowed to share stuff, which should be soon. So hopefully we'll um, we'll have a lot more info there as well. And you can just follow. I, I think I might call Marcos across things, but it's a barren wasteland. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do is follow somebody that is just like, eh, I'll show up every once in a while. But... <laughs> but if people if people see it and they want to reach out on that, you know, feel free. We'll answer any. We'll AMA. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I really yeah. appreciate Thank it. You. And uh, we'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks for watching. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Vibrant Visionaries. This is Heidi Bennett, and this is my beloved podcast. I produce it, I host it, I book it, and have fantastic editing done by David Smith. Thank you so much, David. Find everything at vibrantvisionaries.com, including a link to our new YouTube channel, Vibrant Visionaries Network. There's even a link to our Patreon where you can join the Vibrant Visionaries community and support the podcast. You can also find me at HeidiBennett.com. Thanks for listening and ciao for now!